Shas Illuminated presents the following shear by Rabbi Meir Turin. Mesechas Yevamis has been dedicated in honor of Rabbi Aaron Kaufman, Rosh Yeshivas Ateres Shmuel of Waterbury. The daf we'll be talking about today is Mesechas Yevamis Daf Kuf Gimel. But since the sugi on Kuf Gimel is a hemshech from the sugi that began on Kuf Beis on the Beis, we'll begin over there. The Mishnah in the beginning of the parak taught us that if one does chalitza by removing the sack of the yavam, this is not considered a kasher chalitza. The Gemara says it would seem from here that a sack does not have a shame minnow, is not considered a shoe. But I'll ask you a stira from there because we find by Yom Kippur the din is that a person is not allowed to walk in a minnow, a sandal, or an ampalya, or in a sack. Let me buy it, let me to the let me so it would seem that an ampalya is considered a shoe. On this, the Gemara brings down two tirutsim, Abaye and Rava. Abaye answers that there's a nafkamina between Yom Kippur and Chalitza. The case by Yom Kippur, Abaye learns, is talking about the Ispe Kasisi. There are small pieces of rags inside. Rashi learns made it of cotton or soft leather. And therefore, there is tainug involved, there is pleasure involved, and therefore it's asr. Rava asked Abai, however, if something just is tainug without having a shame minnow, without being considered a shoe, is that asr on Yom Kippur? Rava Barahuna, we know, would go out with a kerchief wrapped around his foot on Yom Kippur. So you see, obviously, tainug without being a shame minnow is not asr. So therefore, Rava gives a different answer. And Rava's approach is that we're talking about two different types of sacks. The case of Yom Kippur is talking about it's a sock made out of leather, and therefore it has a sheminol, it's considered a shoe. In the case of chalitza, where it's not a valid chalitza, when our Mishnah says when the Yavama removes the sock, it's talking about that the Yavama is wearing a sock made out of fabric. Now the Kaivitza'aris, or Lachanan in Simen Ein Gimel, Sifkatim Gimel, explains over here that the Machaikas Abaye and Rava is on a fundamental question how to understand the Hei'inuyim that we know are Asr Ayim Kippur. The Gemara in Yuma that learns out from Ta'anu, that one has to afflict oneself, and from there we learn out the five Inuyim, there's the Yisaitistic question how to understand the Limud. Is the Torah being Mechadish to us that the Bittul Ha'inuy is the Gufa Isr? The Torah's Kepeda is that a person should not eat Ayim Kippur. Why? Not because the eating itself is an issue, but because through eating, one removes the inoid the affliction that comes about from fasting. And huadin, it is asr to wear shoes, not because there's an isr per se to wear shoes, but through the wearing of shoes, one removes the inoid that comes about without having shoes. And theoretically, according to this approach, if one would find the case of eating, which would not be mavatu the inoid, that would be permit, permitted on Yom Kippur. And huadin, an opposite. If someone would find the case where you can vatil the inoy even without an action of eating, as long as it would take away the inoy that comes about from someone not eating, that also would be included in the iser. Or perhaps another way out of understanding this is, even though it's learned out from ta'anu that one is supposed to afflict oneself, the sight of the iser is not that one is supposed to cause himself affliction. And the problem with eating per se is not because it is causing a person not to be in a situation of inoy. But rather, since we know not eating is associated with inoy, it's a way of the Torah signaling to us there's an isr mitzvah atzmei to eat on Yom Kippur. 
And there's an Iser Mitzan Atzmai to wear shoes on Yom Kippur. And according to this approach, the Iser of eating has nothing to do because you're being mevatel the Inoy al Yidei Yerachila. Zatur B'chanan, it would seem that in this question, Abayi and Rava argue. Abayi holds like the first approach. At the Isra of Ne'ilus HaSandal, the Torah is telling us the reason why we have a problem with you wearing leather shoes on Yom Kippur is only because through wearing the shoes you're being mevatel the Inoy that comes about with, from not wearing shoes. The reason why the Torah has a problem with us eating on Yom Kippur, according to Abayi, is because through eating one is mevatel the Inoy that comes about from not eating. And therefore Abayi holds, if I could find you a situation like the Anpalya the Sak, the Isbek that has these pieces of rag of leather and soft material within it, since it has that same level of Bitula Inoy, like wearing a regular shoe, it is Bechlal the Isser Minol that the Torah said. Rabba, however, who argues with Abayi says, Atu Tainu Bulay Minol Mi Asr, is there an Isser? on one having pleasure without wearing leather shoes? Rava holds like the second approach, that the Isser is not because you're being mevatel the Inoy, but rather the Torah is just giving us a simon, since these five things are associated generally with Inoy, the Torah is thereby signaling to us that it has a problem with us wearing shoes, because there's a new Isser called wearing shoes in Yom Kippur. It's a problem to eat on Yom Kippur because there's a new Isser Achila on Yom Kippur. And therefore, Rava holds, since an apalya, though it may have kasisin inside, and it gives you pleasure, but since it does not have a shame minnow, therefore there is no way that it should be aser on Yom Kippur. The emesis at the Achreinim, the Achiezer, and Chela Gimel, Simen Chaf Aleph, deals with a fascinating question, would there be a problem to feed someone through intervenus on Yom Kippur? According to the way the Kairat Ta'aris is explaining the Machlekes Abayi and Rava, that according to Abaye, the entire Isra Achil on Yom Kippur is because you're being mevatel the Inoy. And the Isra is even Shalai Ayideya Maisa Achila, even not through an action of Achila. As long as you're giving the person those same nutrients and that same effect that Achila has. So therefore you're being mevatel the Inoy. So it would seem that intervenus like Abaye would be Aser. Mashenkin, according to Rava, that it's just the simon that the Torah is Asering Achila. So intervenus, it would seem, will be mutter according to Rava. Now, Rava brings a riot to his shita that we see Tainu without a minnow is not Asarium Kippur because Rava Baravuna would walk out with a kerchief wrapped around his foot on Yom Kippur. Zat Arghaner, so it would seem from Argamara, that when someone puts his sudr, there is no Inoi, but it's not a minnow, but there is no Inoi. However, he asks on the Rambam, the Rambam in the third parak of Hilchish Visas Asar, Halacha Zayin writes, a person is allowed to wrap a cloth around his foot and go out with it on Yom Kippur. Because the hardness of the ground could still be felt. And he feels, he feels as if he's going without shoes. It sounds like from the Rambam, not like our Sugya. The Rambam says, by a Sudr, there is Inui. And yet Arsig is saying, Rava's Gufa bring a raya from there, that we see Tainug without a minnow is not Aser. The Archaner says, perhaps we have to say that the Ramam understood that that Gufa is the Machlaikas Abayi and Rava. That Abayi holds that there's an Isser Tainug even without a shoe. So how does Abayi answer this, that Rabbi Ravuna would wrap a sudra around his foot and go out with him Kippur? It must be that Abayi argues with the Metzius and he holds that by a Sudr as well, there is no Tainug because you feel the ground. 
And therefore the Rambam is paskining like Abaye. This would work out well with Rabbi Hanan, what Rabbi Hanan says in Kaivit Tsaris, that according to Abaye, there's an Isser, even without a shoe, Kozman, you get that same level of Tainug that a shoe would provide. And therefore the Ram was forced to say that this, the Rav Ravuna, went out with it according to Abaye, was because there is no Tainug in such a case. However, the Aruch Lener himself asks on this shot, we know that whenever there's a Machlekes Abaye and Rava, the halacha always follows Rava, except for six cases of Yalkagam. If so, how does the Rambam paskin like Abayi? And Lechair, there's another question on this Mahalach of the Aruch Lener. According to the Aruch Lener, it comes out that Abayi and Rava are having a Machlekes B'Metzias. Does a Sudr help to prevent that there should be no Inui? Which is hard to understand that there's a Machlekes B'Metzias between Abayi and Rava. Now, as far as the Atzim Mahalach of the Kaibitz Aris, that he says that according to Abaye, everything is dependent upon Tainug, even though it does not have a shame Minol, and according to Rava, everything is dependent upon the shame Minol, even if there's no Tainug at all, one could say that perhaps they don't argue in such an extreme way, based on the aside that it says in Achi Ezer. The Achi Ezer in Chela Gimel Simen Aleph, as far as that question of intervenus, the Achiezer writes, he feels for a Dabar Pashid that it is mutter to give intervenus on Yom Kippur. And he says, because even if we'll say that the gather of the Isra Achil on Yom Kippur is the Bittul Inoy, the fact that you're taking away the affliction, however, he feels there's still a halacha that you need, Kedarach Achila. And therefore, according to Achiezer's approach, one can say that even according to Abaye, Abaye agrees you need a Shem Minal. So what is the core of the Machlaikas between Abaye and Rava? Abai holds, since the Iker Isser of Minol is because you're being Mavatul the Inoy, therefore it's much easier to give something a shame Minol to be constituted a shoe as far as Yom Kippur is concerned. And therefore Abai says, if I have a sock that's filled up with comfortable material, as far as Yom Kippur is concerned, there's much more loose guidelines to what to make something and include it in being a shoe as far as the shoe of Yom Kippur. However, according to Rabbah, Rabbah holds the Iker is totally only in the shame Minol, because the Iser Ne'ilas HaSandol is an Iser Mitzat Atzmai, and therefore, according to Rabbah, it must fit in the, same, in the same guidelines of what constitutes a shoe as far as Chalitza. So according to this approach, we're going Al-Darach Rabbah but not as extreme as Rabbah takes it. In other words, even Abayi agrees it needs a shame Minol, but Abai is just being mechalot between the minol as far as other halachas in the Torah, chalitza and other dinim, and as far as the minol of Yom Kippur. Because since the Iker Isser of minol Yom Kippur is because through wearing the minol you bring mevatel the inoy, therefore there are much looser guidelines what could be included in a shame minol. Mashenkin according to Rava, since according to Rava the Yisaira Isser is the Ne'ilas Hasandal itself, just wearing a shoe, and therefore it must jive together with all the parameters of what's considered a shoe in Kola According to this approach, like Abayi, Abayi can answer this, the Rav Huna would go out with the Sudra around his foot. Because even if there's Tainug, but even Abayi agrees, just wrapping a kerchief around your foot will not make it into a shame minnow. If you have a sock which has the tzura like a shoe, and now is made comfortable, so that we could say as far as Yom Kippur gets on it a shame minnow. But to say that just a handkerchief or a kerchief wrapped around one's foot, that of course does not have a shame minnow, even according to Abai. The Gemara tells us further, Kav HaKitea, the wooden foot of an amputee, which we learned in the Reisha of the Brisa, 
If that is removed, that has a shem minnow on it, and it is a chalitzak sheira. The Gemara tells us this must follow Rameir Shita that we've learned Hakitea Yoitse Bekav Shaloi. A amputee may go out with this wooden foot on Shabbos. It is not considered Haitsa because it's considered like his shoe. Diver Rameir, that's what Rameir says. Reb Yaisi Iser. Reb Yaisi, however, says it is Aser. However, the Gemara asks that in the Seifa of the Rice who we've learned, that on Palyashel Beged is considered a Chalitza Psula. If one, the Yavama, takes off from the Yavam his sock, it is considered a Pasula Chalitza. This would seem to only work out like the Rabbanan. According to Rameir, it should be considered a good Chalitza. So Abayi answers, since the Seifa must be following the Rabbanan, the Reisha as well must be following the Shittas the Rabbanan. So if so, how could it be that a Kava Kitea is considered a shoe like the Rabbanan? It must be Tzmachupa'ar, it was covered over with leather. Rabbah doesn't like Abayi's answer because he says, if so, it would come out that if it's not Tzmachupa'ar, the din is that it's Pasul. If so, why in the Sefer do we have to run to a different case of Ampalya Shalbega to teach me the Chalitza is Pasul? We should have been Mechalik in the case of Kava Kitea itself. That only when it's covered with leather is it a good chalitza. But if it's not covered with leather, it's not a good chalitza. So therefore, Rabbah takes a different approach to the b'risa. And he, and he says that since the reisha is a mayor who holds that the kav ha-kitea, the wooden foot of the amputee, has a sheminno, and therefore it's a good chalitza, the sefer must be a mayor as well. And as far as your question, so how come the Anpayashal Beged is not considered a good chalitza like a mayor? The answer is because it does not protect the foot at all. Now as far as Pshat in the Gemara, where we see in the Gemara, the Gemara is making this Tliya, that according to Rameir that holds Kava Kitea, the wooden foot of the amputee has a Sheminno, he also would hold that the Ampaya Shalbega, the sock made out of fabric is considered a Minnow. Rashi and Taisus argue how to understand what is the Tliya. Rashi learns the Sugya that everything goes around a, a fundamental question. It says in the Pasik Anal Chatachash, the Gemara had earlier quoted a Pasik that says that I'll make you a shoe out of leather. The question is, is this Pasik Dafka or not? Do we say that a minnow is only if it's made out of leather? And since we see, according to Rameya, a Kav Hakitea, the wooden foot of amputee, is considered a minnow, even though it's not leather, so it must be, Rameyer does not darshan v'anal chatachash. If so, huadin, according to Rameyer, and Ampaya shall beg it as well, should be considered a shoe. Ashenken, according to the Rabbanon who hold, that Kava Kitea is not considered a shoe, it must be a darshan anal chatachash to be dafka, a shoe to be a shoe must be made out of leather, and huadin, they would hold, therefore, Ampaya shall beg it is not considered a shoe as well. That is Rashi's approach in the Suya. Taisus is mashma differently. That the tliya, the side of the question over here is, in order to be considered a shoe, does it have to be something that it's a normal darach to make as a shoe? According to Rameyer, that a kava kitea is considered a minnow, a amputee foot, his wooden foot is considered a shoe, obviously Rameyer holds that you could get a shame minnow even if something, it's not the darach to make a shoe out of that. If so, the Gemara says, who I then Rameyer would hold, that an ampaya shall beg it, a sock made out of fabric also should be considered a shoe. Shenken, according to the Rabbana, that Kava Kitea is not considered a minnow because it's not the derech. So therefore, Huadin the Gemara holds that according to the Rabbana, an Ampayashal Beged would not be considered a minnow. Now, Rabbeinu Tam over here asks a very powerful question on our sugya. Our Gemara says that the Tana of the Braisa, 
that a kavakiteah is considered a shoe, and if the Yavama goes ahead and removes from the Yavam the wooden leg, that's considered like removing his shoe, works out according to the sheet of Rameir, that when it comes to Shabbos as well, Rameir says, the kavakiteah, he's allowed, the amputee is allowed to walk out on Shabbos with his wooden leg. However, it's mashma very clearly from our sugya that according to Rabbi Yaisi, however, who says that on Shabbos, the amputee cannot walk out with his wooden leg. It's not considered his shoe. It does not work out well with our Bryson that says, as far as Chalitza, it is considered a shoe. That's what seems to come out from our sugya in Yavamis. And so is Mashman in the sugya in Shabbos, and Daf Samachayam Abayz. However, if one is Ma'ayan in the sugya in Yuma, and Daf Ayin Chesam Abayz, over there the Gemara says that Kavakitea, both according to Rameir and according to Rabbi Yaisi, it's considered a shoe. The only reason why Rabbi Yaisi says that the amputee may not walk out on Shabbos with his wooden leg is only a special halacha as far as Shabbos is concerned, a gzera, that perhaps it will fall off and will end up carrying his wooden leg on Shabbos, being Ivor on Hitzah on Shabbos. But really, as far as the fundamental question, does it have a shame minnow, even Rabbi Yaisi agrees to Rameir that it does have a shame minnow. Taisus also asks that in the Sugan Yavamis it comes out, we allow the Chalitza to be done with a shoe made out of sham, made out of rush, which is a hard material. So it would seem that sham is considered a minnow. Yet, in the Parak Basa the Yuma, in the end of Yuma, we say, I saw Rabbi Shuvan Levi go out with a sandal made out of sham on Yom Kippur. From there it would seem that as far as Yom Kippur is concerned, it is not considered a shoe. And in our sugya, our sugya seems to be medama, compare Yom Kippur with Chalitza, from the fact that we ask Astira one to another. Taisis therefore ends with a question, Rabbi Tam ends with this question, El this seems to be a stiras hasugyas. The Archaner wants to say a tremendous chiddish. Because of Rabbi Tam's question, he wants to answer the Rambam that we quoted in the beginning of the Shir. The sugya of Adir and Yuma reads like this There's a machaikis between Rameir and Rabyesi, whether Akav Hakitea, the wooden foot of an amputee, is he allowed to walk out on Shabbos wearing that? However, the Gemara in Yuma says, we've learned a Brisa that says that both Rameir and Rabbi Yaisi would agree as far as Yom Kippur that it is also for him to go out with this wooden leg. So how do we resolve the difference? So we have Abai and Rav over there in Yuma as well. Abai says, well, there's a distinction between Yom Kippur and other halachas. As far as Shabbos is concerned, there's a machlekes. But when it comes to Yom Kippur, everyone agrees that it's Asr because of the issue of Tainuk. Rav over there says that the nafkamina is a different nafkamina. That even Rav Yaisi agrees that a wooden leg has a shame minnow. And the whole machlekes is only as far as Shabbos is concerned because it's a new question, a that he might end up carrying it. So it comes out, based on the sugya and yuma ayin ches on the bays, according to Rava, even Rabbi Yaisi agrees that the wooden leg of an amputee has a shame minnow on it. The whole question of Rabbi Yaisi is only limited to Shabbos as far as Xerav and walking out, perhaps it will fall off and will end up carrying it. Ask the Aruch Lener, but yet when we come to the stomach of the Gemara and Yavamis, the Gemara wants to say that the Brisa that says that it is a valid chalitza to remove the wooden leg of an amputee works out like Rameir. The Gemara does not say it works out like Rabbi Yaisi. Lechaira, this is Keneged Rava. This is Keneged with that which Rav had said in Yuma Ayin Chesam Abayz, 
that a wooden leg, even like Rav Yaisi, is considered a minnow. Zaktar Chaner, therefore the Rambam held that since the Stam of the Gemara goes not like Rava, goes like Abaye, and therefore the Rambam felt from here we see that we're supposed to pass him like Abaye, that Abaye Taka, who makes an Afgamina between Yom Kippur and the other Halachas, and therefore the Rambam explains that the reason why there's a hatred to go out with the sujur on the foot is only because there is no Tainug involved. The Archoner's whole issue is saying that was, how can we paskin like a bay over Rava? We know the Lacha always follows Rava except for Yalkagam. Zakta Archoner over here is different. Over here, since we have a stomach, the Gemara that works out like Abaye, not like Rava, we see the Gemara is going with Abaye as far as this question is concerned, and therefore the Rambam Paskins that way as well. However, the only Ha'ara that remains on the Aruch Lener's approach is that it comes out, he's saying that the Machlaikas Abaye and Rava by Sudra is a Machlaikas and Metzias, whether there is pleasure or not, which is a little bit hard to understand. The Gemara continues, Amar Ameymar, Haiman Decholitz, Tzorach Lemidchasil Ikari. A person who chalitza is being done with him, the yavam, must press his foot firmly to the ground. The rush over here in Simon Zayin explains what is the rationale between Amei Mershalacha. Haiman dechalot sarach lemilchas elikare kedeshi nikar shetayreches lachlitz mino. The rush explains the purpose is that it should be nikar that she is being matriach herself to remove his shoe. Because sometimes the shoe of Bezdin is larger than the foot of the Yavim. And it could have the appearance that the shoe is coming off by itself. If not for the fact that he presses his foot against the Karka. Now the night of Yehuda in Evan Ezer Chelik Aleph, Simon Sadi Dalit, it brings down a very interesting question that arose in his Bezdin. He brings down from the Rav HaGadol, Rav Zalman Amrach, who is one of the Chavar HaBezdin of the Neid of Yehuda, that he says he wanted to be Mechadish Adavar Chadash in the Minig of Chalitza, that normally the Minig of always was, that after the Yavama unties the knots of the straps of the shoe and the clasps, so then the lady, the Yavama, lifts up the foot of the Yavam with her left hand, and with her right hand, she removes the actual shoe from upon his foot. And so is Mashman, the Tor in Simen, Kuf Samachtes, in the Shulchan Aruch, in Seder Achalitza, in Sifnun Beis. Now in the Seder Achalitza, the Mari Mintz, he's Mechadish, just one point, that the actual lifting up of the foot of the Yavam should also be with the Yavama's right hand. Like he writes, Tater Biyad Yamin, Beli Siyua Yad Hasmolas Harutsuis Me'al Ragle. She should untie the shoelaces with her right hand, without her left hand helping out. And afterwards, the crossim, yahalais, afterwards, the clasps. Afterwards, she should lift up his foot with her right hand. And she should remove it off her, his foot onto the ground without a siyua of her left hand. From all these mashmais, it's mashma that the Hagbas HaRegel comes before, the step before the actual removing of the shoe. Just some say that the lifting up of the foot of the Yavim should be done as well with the right hand of the Yavama, and some say that it's allowed to be done with the left hand. So now Rav Zalman Amruch came along to say, the Lechaira, the Minog of what we've been doing till now is wrong. Because since the Gemara and Yavamis teaches us, 
Haiman de Cholitz, Tzarek le Medaxel Likari, that when one is having Chalitza performed to him, he must be pressing his foot against the ground. If so, how could we say that at the time of the actual Chalitza, the removal of the shoe, his foot is in midair? That Lechaira would take away from the whole point of pressing his foot against the ground. Furthermore, Zalm Amrich said, the Rush explains to us the whole purpose of Amemar's din of pressing the foot against the ground is that it should be nicker that the shoe is being removed by the Yavama. It's not falling off by itself. But if at the time of the actual removal of the shoe, the foot is in mid-air, so maha'il chacham metakantam, we lost the whole purpose of pressing the foot against the ground. And therefore, he says, any place where there is mention about lifting of a foot, it does not mean that she actually lifts up the Yavim's foot in mid-air. Rather, the meaning is just that B'metzius, when you remove a shoe, automatically, to get the shoe off, obviously, the foot's going to have to be mugba to a certain degree, off the ground. And therefore, Rav Zalman Amrach went into Paskin this way, Befrat, he said, according to the Rambam and the Rif, we find that they hold this halacha of pushing one's foot against the ground is ma'akiv, even b'di'eved, if so, how could we say that Bishas the Iker Chalitzis Amino, the minnow and the foot should not be pressed against the ground? The Neidah himself, however, strongly disagrees with Rav Zalman Amruch, and he says, as far as the Raya of Rav Zalman Amruch from the Rush, that if the whole Yisait of the Chisa is that it should not appear as if the minnow is leaving on its own, falling off on its own, and if the Yavim's foot is in mid air at the time of removal of the shoe, so what have we accomplished? He says, if you understand the Rosh Kipshutai, the way Rezalman Amrach understood it, so indeed he would have a valid point. However, he says Rezalman Amrach's Pshat in the Rosh is incorrect. Zaktanayda Yehuda, if the Pshat in the Rosh was merely that it should be nicker, that the shoe was being removed by the woman and not falling off by itself, if so, why would the Rosh need to be mocked him? The Rosh writes, Kedeshi Nikrashi Tereches. The foot must be pressed against the ground in order that she be nicker, that she's being matriach herself to, to remove the shoe. He should have just said, in order that she be nicker, that she's removing the shoe and it's not falling off on its own. Therefore, this is not the proper shot in the rush. Rather, the sight of the rush is something entirely different. The rush does not mean merely that we have to see that she's removing the shoe. Because if so, everyone, by looking at what's happening, would see she's removing the shoe, even if he would not have pressed his foot against the ground, b'chlal. The rush means, however, something more, something different. The kavanah of the rush is that it should be nicker, that she's removing the shoe, l'shem mitzvah chalitza. Rather, it could take on the appearance as if she thought that the shoe was falling off, and therefore she didn't want this fellow to go ahead and lose his shoe. Therefore, she quickly took it off in order that he shouldn't lose it and hand it back to him, that he should go back and put it on tighter. And we don't see necessarily inherently in her action that she did it with shame mitzvah. Mashenken now that he's pushing his foot firmly against the ground. Over here, she needs a terichli yaseira to lift up his foot off the ground in order to remove the shoe. From the fact that she's being matriach herself so much, we see that she's obviously doing it bishvil atzma for herself in order to be mat to herself through this chalitza. In Zatanayi of Yehuda, we find this concept b'negei another halacha of chalitza. 
we find that our minag is after she removes the shoe, she throws the shoe from her hand onto the ground. And the Yisrael the Mepharshim explained behind this minag is, in order to clearly show everybody she did not remove this shoe for any other purpose, not because she wants the shoe, but merely in order to matter herself, mitzan the mitzvah of chalitza. And therefore she immediately throws the shoe onto the ground to show everybody she only did this l'shem the mitzvah chalitza. Zagdanay de Yehuda, that is the Kaman of the Rush, and the Namuki Yosef as well, who as well says, Al-Darach this Mahalach of the Rush, that the Yisrael why he must push firmly his foot against the ground is that she should be matriach herself to remove it, that everyone will see clearly she's lifting up his foot and removing it. Everyone sees clearly that she is doing this l'shem mitzvah chalitza. Zagdanay de Yehuda, based on this Yisrael, that the Yisrael of her lifting up the foot of the Yavam, has nothing to do as far as the actual heter of chalitza, but rather just to matriacher. If so, there's no kapeda if she goes ahead and does it with her left hand. And the pshat of the marimins who says that she must lift the foot as well with the right hand, he says, I'll explain further. But I'll call him in the Russian, Yosef, this is the pshat behind them, and therefore, Ivada can be done with the left hand as well. That first, he says, I want to explain another mahalaf besides the rush and the Muki Yosef, behind the side of why the Yavah must press his foot against the ground, and then we'll explain how come it's ma'akiv even with the Eved, according to the sheet of the Rif and the Rambam. I do this as further, that I want to explain that even according to the Manda Amar, that it's ma'akiv with the Eved, the Yavah pressing his foot firmly on the ground, afilu hachi, the Indian of lifting up the foot of the Yavah, comes only after the, the untying of the shoelaces and the clasps. Therefore comes along the night of Yehuda and he comes and is mechadish, a tremendous chiddish. That the Torah tells us that the chalitza process is done by the Yavama removing the shoe of the Yavam. However, the Torah does not go into the details of what exactly is called removal of a shoe. The greatest riot to this is that the Amairoim and the Yerushalmi argue what is the Iker Chalitza. Rav holds the Iker Chalitza is the untying of the shoelaces. Other Amairoim over there in the Yerushalmi say the Iker is removal of the shoe itself. Therefore he feels that the Torah was Saisim Hadvarim. The Torah did not provide us with the details because the truth is that whatever the Derech of a person is to do at the time that he removes his shoe, all this is involved and included in the mitzvah of chalitza. And all these things need to be performed by the Yavama without any help from the Yavam. Based on this tremendous chiddish, we could go ahead and answer a question that the Rosh has on the sheet of the Rif. The Rif understands that the din of minharkuva ulamala chalitza psula means that the Yavam's foot was a normal foot, and he put on the chalitza shoe, but the shoelaces were tied above the knee. Ask the rush on the rift, but the middle that we have, Bismanazeh, is tight enough to stand even without shoelaces. If so, let's just forget about the shoelaces over here. The fact that she removed the shoe itself should suffice. According to my aside, we understand very well the sheet of the rift. Because Enechanami, even if a Metzius, a Shubiz Manazek, could stand without shoelaces, but Lamaise, at the end of the day, if Saif calls Saif, 
this shoe has shoelaces, and therefore the derech of people is when they remove this shoe, they untie their shoelaces, and then they remove their shoe. If so, the removal of the shoelaces as well is now a chilek, an integral part of the mitzvah chalitza. Zat the night view the further, since the derech ha'olam is when they remove their shoes, people lift their foot into the air, and then take off their shoe, Therefore, the din is that the Hagbas HaRegel is now an integral part of the Mitzvah Chalitza as well. And therefore, if the Yavam will not be firmly pressing his foot against the ground, so come dice, the fact that his foot is off the ground already is happening, Mikayach, his own Kayach. Therefore, this will lack in the Mitzvah of Chalitza. It will be considered as if the Yavam already did the Haschala of the Chalitza, and the Yavama did not do the entire procedure. And therefore, he says, that's the pshat in the Salacha, that the Yavama must firmly be pushing his foot against the ground. He says, according to this, we understand beautifully the pshat in the Mari Mints. Since anything which is part of the normal procedure of removing one's shoe is now an integral part of Chalitza, if so, the Mari Mints says, lifting up the foot, which is a normal way of a person removes his shoe, must be done as well with the Yad Yamin of the Yavama. According to the Yisoyed and the Night of Yehuda, it does not speak this out, but it comes out according to what he's saying, it fits in very beautifully. The Rosh Lashitasai, who asked the question on the riff, that why should there be an issue with the shoelaces tied above the knee, if after all the shoe is strong enough to stand on its own? Obviously, the Rosh does not agree with this whole new Yisoyed and the Night of Yehuda, the way he explains in the riff. And therefore the Rosh Hashitasai had to come up with a new reason why is there a din that the Yavu must push firmly his foot against the ground. Mashenke in the Rif Lashitasai who says that there's a psul even by the Eved, he goes Lashitasai as well that he says that there's an issue if the shoelaces are tied above the knee even though the actual shoe is able to stay on the foot without the shoelaces. Now Rashi writes in the Suga with Amemar that Amemar says the Yavu must press his foot. So Rashi adds in the words, he must press his foot against the ground. The Archaner is really bothered with Rashi. He says, according to the Svar of the Rash, that the whole purpose of pressing of the foot is that it should not be seen as if the shoe is coming off on its own. If so, why should it be a T'nai that has to be Dafka against the Karka? Therefore, he wants to be Mechadish and Rashi. The Rashi understood that this din is a special Zeris HaKasav, HaLachal Meshem Yisinai, and the Lachal Sinai says that the foot must be pressed dafka against the karka. One can, however, explain another Mahalachan Rashi, Al Darach what the Naid of Yehuda and that Tshuva as well, he's Mechalish, a third Mahalach, how to understand the Pshat in Amemar. He says Amemar is actually a Hemshech of the Gemara, the line before, which said that to be considered a Minol has to be Megan, it has to protect. And he says the Ikrashimush after all, of a shoe, is in order to protect the person's foot from the karka, from the ground, that the ground should not be hard and uncomfortable for the person. He says that's why we find the halacha later on in this parak, on the Kuf Dalet Amr Aleph, that a nal shal zakin a shoe of an older man which is just made for his honor, but he does not go ahead and walk with it, is not considered a shoe for chalitza, the it's not made for walking around. See from here that to have a shame minol, it must serve as a protection. Zaktanite of Yehuda, therefore, every time a yavam comes into Bezdin for a chalitza, 
if he would just put on this shoe, Litzarech Halitza, however, this shoe did, did not yet serve him in the capacity of what his shoe is meant to be, meaning as protection, so it would not get a shame minal as far as this Yavim is concerned. He says, therefore, there's this Halacha Meimar teaches us that he must firmly press his foot against the ground after he wears the shoe. And now we can say the shoe already functions for him as a shoe because he used it to protect him from the ground. And therefore, it gets a sheminol, benegeya, this person, and he could go ahead now and be used for his chalitza. And that could be shot in Rashi. Rashi says, bedafka, it has to be pressed against the ground, it has to function as a shoe, protecting him from the hard ground in order for it to be a valid minol litzarech chalitza. The Gemara further brings down another member of Ameymar. Ameymar teaches us that someone whose foot is twisted and inverted, he walks on the upper part of his foot, not upon his sole and his heel. The din is chalitz, he is not able to be performed with him, the mitzvah of chalitza. Amalir of Ashila Ameymar, asked of Ashi a question to Ameymar, but didn't we learn, however, that smuchas haraglayim, that someone whose feet are bent and he has these foot supports that are on his feet that it shouldn't be dragging on the, on the ground being injured. The din is these foot supports could be used for chalitza. They have a shame minnow. And doesn't it mean that you do chalitza with this person himself even though his feet are akumim, are bent? The Gemara answers no. What we mean is just that these foot supports have a shame minnow and someone else whose feet are regular could use them as a minnow for chalitza. Now Rashi explains that the reason why this person who walks on the upper part of his foot it is not considered a chalitza meiragle from his foot, it is worse than the case of meharakuva ulamata. We have learned previously that according to Rashi, if there's an amputee who just has a stump, that as long as there's part of his leg from the knee going downward left, the din is if a shoe or something is placed upon that, a wooden piece is placed, that is considered a minnow as far as chalitza is called, removing it me'al ragli. So why is this any worse than that case? Rashi answers that over there at least it's called me'al ragli. The language of the Pasuk by chalitza is removing it from above his foot. And therefore it's considered removing of a shoe from above his foot. Ashanking this person whose foot is totally inverted and bent, it's not called ragli, the foot, the shoe is placed on that part, and that part is not called ragli. And therefore, it is possible according to Rashi. Tysus brings down from the Rach, another pshat, the reason why it is worse is because, that at least when it comes to the case of the amputee, at least whatever he has could be placed firmly on the ground. Masha'enkein, in the case of the hair of Ameymar, what he has cannot be placed onto the ground. The Reentysis points out that it seems to be coming out from Rashi and the Rath's explanations that a kitea, an amputee, is allowed to have Khalifa performed with him. However, the Re says, The Yushalmi is not mashma that it understood that way, because the Yushalmi explains that this that it says, does not mean that the person is missing part of his leg. But rather, we're just referring to the area where the shoelaces were tied. Were they tied above the knee, when therefore it's puzzle, it's not called raglay, or were they tied beneath the knee? However, he says, Akitea, that we're not referring to at all, and therefore that avada would be possible. He says this, that it says in the Brisa, 
kav hakitea is a chalitza kshera, that if one removes the wooden leg of an amputee, so it is a kasher chalitza. He says it does not mean that you're removing it from a yavam who's an amputee, but rather the pshat is you have a person who has a regular foot. He's just using this wooden stump so it has enough of a shame minnow, since as far as amputee is concerned, it's called its shoe, therefore it has a shame minnow as far as a yavam as well. But Avada Zatari, he does disagrees with Rashi and the Rach, an amputee, Avada, would not be kosher to remove his wooden leg. Rabbeinu Nisim Gain as well, sides with the sheet of the Ri, that a kitea cannot do chalitza. So it comes out, we have a tremendous machaikas rishonim in this nekuda, and it comes out that according to Rashi and the Rach, Akitea could do chalitza himself. And so is the sheet of the Rajba and the Balmar. Now this is a big, obviously a big nafkamin over here, Lahalacha, someone who has this Metzius, that it's Nifsika Raglai, Minhar, Kuba, Lamata, is he allowed to have chalitza performed with him? And this question actually came up in the days of the three-day Eish, in his Shalzi Shuvis on Evan Ezer, Simon Kufchaf Aleph, the case was, we were talking about someone who died without any children. He left a Yavama. And there's a Yavam here, who is Nikteragli Hayamanis Mechati Shukulamata. His foot has been cut, has been severed from under the knee and downwards. The Matthias was, in this case, that the Yavam was a Kaifer Batayra, and he ate Nevelis and Trephus. It was Mechal Shabbos. He was married to a non-Jewish woman. And some wanted to say perhaps the Eitz is he should do Yibam and then afterwards give her a get. But Zakhus three day Eish, the way the Matthias was in this case, that the person would not have agreed to that. And he says, Bukhlal in our generations, this will be a Chil Hashem because people are not accustomed to such a thing. And therefore the three day Eish writes that the Eitz is that Chalitza he fails should be done with the man's right foot where he just he has like a wooden piece and with his left foot as well. And he says he feels we could be mad to her, Lashuk, based on Kamas Fekais. Number one, he says, perhaps the Din Fowls, Rabin Hanano, Rashi, the Balmar, and the Rashva, who hold that it's kosher to do Chalitza by someone where it's Nikter Raglai, Minharakuva, Lumata. Number two, he says, maybe we view such a person, even though Chalitza generally has to be on the person's right foot, but maybe someone who does not have a right foot, it's considered that his ikker foot is his left foot, so for him it's considered that that's his right. Number three, he says, many achreinim hold that a mummer, someone who denies the Torah, is not zaykik, is not mezakik, the yavama tiyibum. And it says, therefore, based on these three reasons, he will be maskim to go ahead and do chalitza on the right and left foot, and with that being mata, this woman was shook. The Gemara goes further and the Gemara comments on the Lachan, the Mishnah, Minar, Kuva, Lamata, the Chalitza is Kasher. And the Gemara understood this in the Havamina because it's considered the Regal up until the knee. And therefore, as long as the person still has the knee and some of his foot below, that is a valid Chalitza. On this, the Gemara asks a stira from the Din when it comes to Shalish Regal and Midarshan from Raglayim, exclude someone who has wooden legs. So from here it would seem that it loses the shame regal. It is not considered a regal as long as he's missing some of his foot, even if it's still remaining something below the knee, it lacks in the shame regal. The Gemara answers, you're right, regal really means the foot itself, not the leg. However, since by Chalitza it says, may al remove the shoe from above his foot, 
So therefore, included in me'al ragle is the area above the foot as well, the leg up until the knee. Ask the Gemara, if so, chalitza should be valid even on the area above the knee. On that, the Gemara answers, no, that would not be considered me'al ragle, but rather me'al de me'al. Afterwards, the Gemara asks from the story with Yoel, Ben Ragle Ashachav, where the Pshat over there is, it was between the upper leg, the thighs, and still the Torah refers to that area as Ragel. The Gemara answers, Lishnama Alya, we wanted to talk in a refined way. Afterwards, the Gemara darshins that Sheva Be'ilais Baal Isa Rasha, and the Gemara asks on this, How is Yoel allowed to go ahead and do this? L'chaira, she is being nishana, having ana from the Avera. On that, the Gemara answers, Rabbi Yechonon says, B'shem, Rabbi Shem, B'yechai, Kol teivasen shal rishayim, Ra'i, Heitzel tzadikim, All the taiva of rishayim, B'yatzadik, is considered a davara. Now, what's shan in the Gemara in its kasha, V'hakam nishanya me'avera? Taisis over here learns, the question is, why is the term Mishabeach Yoel so much that it says, Tevarach minashim, and the Gemara in Nazar on Chav Gimel on Mabez, and in Hyrius on Dafyud on Mabez, learns out, G'dayla Aver Lishma, Mimitzvah Shalai Lishma, that she was even greater in the Imais in this aspect. L'chaira, she was having Hana from the Avera. On that, the Gemara answered, no, that there was no Hana involved because of, of the Svar of Taivas and Shal Rishayim. However, Taisis in the Sechtes Yuma on Daf Pebez on Mabez, in the middle of the Taisis, Taisis brings down a Pshat B'Shem Yesh Mefarshim. That they say the Pshat over here in the Gemara in Yavamis is that since she's having Hana, the Gemara has an issue that she should be M'chli to Yimaiser Nefesh because it's an issue of Gili Arayas. On that, the Gemara answers that since it is not considered a Hana, therefore she does not have to Yimaiser Nefesh. On this, Taisis in Yuma asks, L'chaira, there's an Iser Erva, even without pleasure. So how could the Yesh Mepharshim explain that since there's no Ana, therefore there is no Din of Mesiras Nefesh? It will be Mashma that the Yesh Mepharshim and Mesech Yuma and Taisis and Mesech Yuma are arguing on a fundamental question when it comes to the Iser of Arayas. The Yesh Mepharshim seems to understand that this that the Gemara says, Mesasek B'chalabim V'arayas Chayv Shekei Nena, the Gemara is saying that nena means actual pleasure. And the Isra Arayas is dependent upon having pleasure. And therefore they learn Shat in our Gemara, that the Gemara is asking by Yol, she's having Hana. If she's having Hana, so if so, it's Bechal, the Isra Arayas. And on that the Gemara answers that no, since called Tevasen Shal Rishoyim, Ra'i Eitzel Tzadikim, Memelot, it's not considered that she had Hana. Asha'enke in Taisis and Yum understands understands this. That Shekinana just means that the Isra Arayas is the physical action of Arayas, the Metsias of the action of the Guf, being Isaac Barayas. Not that the Gemara means pleasure, but rather the physical action. And therefore, Taisus says, then of course Arayas is an Isra independent of whether there's Hana or not. And therefore, Pshat in the Gemara must be a different Pshat. The Gemara further brings down a machlekes between Rav Papi and Rav Papa, what Rav held with a sandal hamuchlet as far as Chalitza is concerned. A sandal, a shoe, which has Tsaras on it, and this Tsaras is confirmed Tsaras. According to Rav Papi, in the name of Rav, if one would use the shoe for Chalitza, 
the chalitza would be a chalitza psula, and according to Rav Papa, the chalitza would be kasha. Now Rashi explains the reason of Rav Papi that the chalitza is psula is because since it has to be burnt, and the halacha is we need a shear, a certain size when it comes to the shoe, it has to be able to cover raiv ragle, most of the foot of the yavam, and therefore there's a concept of kesuse metha shiure, since it has to be burnt, it's as if it's missing from the shear. The Berchus Avram asks, what exactly, how do we understand this machaikis between Rav Papi and Rav Papa, that according to Rav Papa it is kasher to be used for a chalitza shoe, though it is a sandal with saras, and yet like Rav Papi, it is possible. Another question he has is, how come dafka over here we find this machaikis, yet in many places in Shas, the stomach of the Shas holds that there is this concept of kisusei mechta shiurei. How come by the sandal of chalitza, Suddenly there's this question, or do we apply or not the concept of the Ksusa Mechta Shurin? The Berchus Avram wants to explain the Machlaikas based on the Yisoyed of the Kesef Mishnah and Hilchas Luav in Parakhas Halacha Aleph. Over there the Kesef Mishnah writes that a Shaifer and a Luav is different than the Shu of Chalitza. When it comes to a Shaifer and a Luav, over there there's a sheer Katsuv, there's a set amount what the size must be. And therefore, when it's Aymed L'sreifa, when it must be burnt, we apply this concept according to everybody of Kisuse Mechda Shi'ura, it's as if the shear is broken up. However, when it comes to the Sandal of Chalitza, there is no set shear. The Lacha is, uh, for a larger person who has a larger foot, he must have a larger shoe, which covers most of his foot. And for a smaller person, it only has to cover the size of the smaller foot. Therefore, the Kesef Mishnah says there's a Svar to say that when it comes to the shoe of Chalitza, even if it's Ayman L'sreifa, we do not apply the logic of Kesusei Mechta Shi'urei. Because at the end of the day, B'Metzius, it's covering most of the foot. Dr. Berchus Avram, using this Svar of the Kesef Mishnah, the Beis Yaisif, we could explain that is good for the Machaikas between Rav Papi and Rav Papa. Rav Papi says that even though this shear is not similar to Lulav, but since at the end of the day it is a shear, so as far as Ksusei Mechta Shi'ure, that is enough to say that the shear is broken up. However, according to Rav Papa, Rav Papa holds that the only time that we apply the concept of Ksusei Mechta Shi'ure is only when it's a shear Ba'atzim. But over here, where the whole idea is just to cover most of the person's foot, and it depends on every individual, if so, we do not apply over here the din of Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei. However, the Berchus Avram asks, on this Mahalach of the Beis Yosef and Kesef Mishnah, he asks from the Sugi Mesechus Rosh Hashanah Dachav Chesom Beis. Over there the Gemara says that a shaifer that comes from the Ir Hanidachas, a city which most of the city served up by the Zara, where the Halacha is, one must torch the whole city to the ground. So the Gemara says that a shaifer from such a city is possible because it's ksusei mechtar shiure. The share is considered broken up. Asked the Birchas Avram by a shaifer, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Dachav explains that the size of a shaifer has to be large enough that when you grasp the shaifer in the middle, that you could see the shaifer jutting out on either side. If so, it would seem by a shaifer as well. It is not a sheer ba'etzim, but rather it is telling on each individual. Someone with a larger hand will need a larger shaifer. Someone with a smaller hand will need a smaller shaifer. And still the Gemara 
applies the concept of Kesusei Mechta Shi'uri over there. So this Lechari would fly in the face of the Berchus Avram of the explanation of the Kesav Mishnah. That Kesusei Mechta Shi'uri is only limited when something is a sheer katsuv, when something is a set amount. However, the Berchus Avram explains that the Shulchan Aruch himself, the Lashon of the Shulchan Aruch, which is the Beis Yasef, in Simon Tafkov Pevav Sivtes would seem to resolve this question on his Mahalach. Because over there the Beis seems to write that we don't measure based on each individual. Does it extend out of each person's hand? But rather it's a set share of Dalit Gaidlin. So we see that the Beis understands that we take the average person and Kadeshir Mikan Khan is not dependent on each on each individual, and therefore Lashitasa we understand why by Shaifra as well it is applicable the concept of Kesusei Mechdash Shi'urai. However, though the Beis Yosef learns this way, however, from the Rashi it would seem in Mesechtas Rosh Hashanah, where the Rashi explains the reason why you need the size of Kedeshir Mikan Lukan is in order that people should not say that the person is producing the sound by just blowing into his cupped hand, and therefore the shaifer must be jutting out on either side that people see clearly that he's using the shaifer to produce the kal. So it seems, Kipshuta, according to the Svar of the Rush, it should be dependent upon each individual. And yet still the Gemara applies the side of Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei. So it seems that the Rush argues with the Kesef Mishnah on this Nakuda. Whether we say Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei on something which is not a set share, but rather dependent upon every individual. Now the shita of Rav Papi is that a sandal hamoklet is possible to be chaylet with it since it's Aymir l'sreifa we say ksusei mechta shi'ure. Amat the Gemara asks a question from the Mishnah in Nagaim. The Mishnah in Nagaim teaches us that a base hamusker, a house which is closed up that has a nega inside, we're waiting to confirm that this is a confirmed nega. The din is that it's metame mitoichai, from inside. A mukhlet, however, is metame both from the inside and the outside. The Mishnah ends off that both these houses have the halacha, that it's metame bebiya, if someone enters in the house, it renders the person tame. Ask the Gemara owner of Papi, if we say this svar of a kasusei mechda shiurei, l'chayr, when it comes to a house, there's a din of a habal abayis. Only someone who enters a house that has a status of a house should be tummy, and over here it's as if the house is chopped up into pieces. On that, the Gemara answers by the house, there's a special Xeris HaKasav, where the Torah says, Venitats Esabayis, one has to destroy the house after the Nega is confirmed. So we see, even at the time of destruction of the house, where there's a confirmed Nega, it is still has called, referred to in the Torah as a house. One can ask on the Mahalach of the Berchus Avram from this Gemara. The Berchus Avram had explained to us, that the machaikis between Rav Papi and Rav Papa, even though generally throughout Chas, everyone agrees to the concept that if something must be burnt and destroyed, we say Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei. However, their argument is by a sandal hamuchlet, because since the din shear, when it comes to the shoe of Chalitza, is not a set shear, it is dependent upon each individual's foot. Therefore, there's a discussion, is machaikis, whether we apply Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei. And Rav Papu says we do not apply the concept of Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei. It is limited specifically in this case because it's not a real shear. But if so, what's the Gemara's question from Beis Hamanuga? By a Beis Hamanuga, there is a specific shear. 
like it's before in the Gemara Masech, the Sukkah, and the Gimelam and Aleph, that a base Hamanuga must be Dalit Amis by Dalit Amis to be considered a bias, to be considered a house. And therefore, everyone would agree when it comes to base Hamanuga, we say, Ksusei Mechdash If so, why does the Gemara have it as a question on Rav Papi over Rav Papa? This has nothing to do with the argument of Rav Papi and Rav Papa. This is a very powerful question on the Mahalach of the Berchus Avram. Now, as far as the Etzem Mishnah in the Gaim, which the Gemara brings down, that a base Hamusker is only Metame Mitaychai, and a Mokhud is Metame both Mitaychai and Meachayrov, the Rishonim have a big discussion over here. What does it mean that a base Hamusker is Metame Mitaychai? The Rashi that we have in front of us is Mashma, that the case is where a person did not enter the house, but rather he stretched his hand inside the house, and he touched the inside the house, and in such a case we say that even Beis HaMusker is Metame Mitaychei. Mukhud is talking about where the person touched the house, even from outside the house, it is Metame him as well. And so understands the Mishnah Lamelech in Paratezayin, Mehilchus Tumas Taras Halacha Aleph, but the Mishnah Melch is very bothered by this. He says, according to this, we have to understand where did the Mishnah and the Goyam learn out this halacha that even a base hamusker has the ability to metami a person when he just sticks his hand in and touches the inside of the house. He says, after all, if you look in the Pasuk by a base hamusker, the Torah only writes that there is Tumat to Habalabai, someone who enters the house. So where would the Mishnah take out this additional halacha? That who had dinner based on Musker is Metame someone who sticks his hand in and touches the inside of the house. The Mishnah says perhaps Rashi holds that Tumas Bia, the Tumah of walking into a base on Musker, Mitaras Maga Naguba. The longest, the way to view it is that since he enters the house, it's viewed as if he's touching the house itself. The Kemish Nichlas Rubai, once he enters most of his body inside the house, Havi Kinegea, as if he's touching the inside of the house. He says, So is Mashra from the words of the Rambam in Perak Vav Mehilchus Aves Hatumah Halacha Vav, where the Rambam writes, as far as someone who enters Raishav Arubai into a base of Zara, that it makes the person Tame as well. The Rambam writes, Nitma Kinaigea. It renders him Tame as if you be touching the house inside. If so, we see this svara that the lumness of a Beit Samanuga, when, when walks inside the house, the reason why it makes him tame because as if he's touching inside of the house. If so, mitzana svara, it will come out that if in a Beit Samanuga there's a tumma of walking into the house, then kol shikain, there's a tumma of touching the inside of the house by itself. However, the Mishnah brings out that Taisis in our sugya in Divri Amaschul mitame me'acherav. He learns differently than Rashi. He learns the case of mitaychai does not mean the person stuck his hand inside, but rather the case is the person entered completely into the house, and the chiddush is even though he did not enter facing in the normal direction, where the tzadalach of a balabai, someone who enters the house, it cannot render him tamei because it's only if he's nichnas darach bia if he enters in the normative way, the way a normal person enters a house. Afiluhachi, there's still this new tumah of the fact that he's lamaisa at the end of the day inside, found inside the house. The re, however, is in the stopic, he's not sure by Abes Hamusker if a person would just touch the inside of the house, like in Rashi's case, the re's not sure if that would render him tummy or not. 
Do we say that it's not worse than a case of Beis HaMuchet, where it even makes him Tameh from touching the outside of the house? So therefore, by Beis HaMuchet, at least it should make him Tameh if he touches the inside of the house, or perhaps not. Perhaps Chahegavna, the person, would not become Tameh. And this shot of the Ri is actually the shot that the Bach brings down. The Bach had a gear, so this is the way Rashi understood the Sugya. However, the Rashi that's in front of us learns the Sugya, like we mentioned before, that Mitoicha means the person stood outside the house and just reached in and touched the inside of the house. Finally, the Gemara brings another Raya from Matlis, a Beged, which is a Beged Hamanuga, Sheyesh Bei Shalish Al Shalish, which is three by three at Bais, Afli Sheim Bei Kazayis, even though it's very thin and it's not a Kazayis worth, came Shenichnas Rubai Labayis Tar to Maseu. Once most of it came into a Tar house, it renders the house tummy. The Gemara says, My Lab Muchletes isn't not talking about where the nega is already a confirmed nega, And Rashi explains, even so, though one needs the entire beged to make the house tameh, but we apply a svar of shadi mi'utay basarobay. Since most of the beged is in the house, we throw after most of the beged the meat that's left outside. It's as if the entire beged entered the house. Now, if Rav Papi was right, that we say a svar of kesusi mechda shi'urei, when it comes to something which is a minuga, a beggar minuga, so if so, this should not be considered as if there's three by three inside the house, because the entire beggar is like it's chopped up. The Gemara is madcha the right, and the Gemara says, no, we're talking about musgaris, we're talking about a beggar which did not yet reach the state of confirmation. Asks the Marshal and Rashi a very powerful question. If the Gemara means to say, that it's considered like it's broken up into many pieces, and therefore you do not have a bag at three by three. If so, why does the Gemara have to ask the question specifically in a case where most of it came in and only a small amount is outside, and therefore if we say ure, we can't throw the small part that's outside and view it like it's inside with most of the bagot. Well, Chaira, even if the entire bagot entered the house, there would be that same question. Why should it make the house Tameh if it's Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei? In order to make the house, you need a Bega, which is three by three. And this is considered a Bega, which is broken up into many pieces. The Kaivet Sa'aris in Simen Ayin Gimel, Sifkatin Vav, explains that Rashi holds Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei does not say that we're missing any part of the Shir. Ksusei Mechta Shi'urei just says it's as if the object was chopped up and broken up into many pieces. And since the halacha is that once a beged is a beged mukhlet, once it's a confirmed nega, the din is even if you chop the beged into many pieces, it still retains its tumah status. So if so, in a case where the entire beged entered the house, though we would say ksuse that would not be a problem, because at the end of the day you still have a beged which is tameh being the tame the house. Rather, the Gemara's only question is, in the case where part of the beged remained outside, and we need the full three by three, and the only way to say that we see the whole baggage inside the house is through the concept that we're shadi miute basarubai. If we say it's as if the baggage is chopped up into pieces, so one piece does not connect with the other, and therefore we cannot say shadi miute basarubai. The Kaivet Haris, however, points out that from the fact that the Masha had this problem with Rashi, 
We see that in the Marsha's opinion, he understands Kedusei Mechda Shi'urei to mean not just that the item is broken up into many pieces, but rather it's viewed as if it's missing part of the shear as well. You have been listening to the Shi'urim of Shas Illuminated. Shas Illuminated is a non-profit organization dedicated to broadening the learning of those studying the Daf worldwide. If you would like to make a donation or to dedicate a Daf or Masechta, please visit our website at shasilluminated.org or call 203-312-SHAS. You can also email us at shasilluminated at gmail.com.